WHHH-FM Indianapolis. It's time to take a look at what's going on in and around Indy. It's Open Lines, your eye on the community on High 96.3. Hold up. And good morning to you, Indianapolis. It is Sunday, August 23rd, 2020. It is race day in Indianapolis. Good morning. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle in the Radio 1 Studios. Good morning, Indianapolis. Ebony Chappelle checking in here, your community queen. And yes, it is a spectacular Sunday and we have lots to talk about. Uh, believe it or not, uh, as we said, it is race day. It doesn't feel like it. There's no real hum to the city, but uh, still there is finally some progress in what is normally a big day here in Indianapolis. We'll talk about all that and so much more. But this morning, I had the opportunity to sit down with Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb. He invited me up to the residence. We did a one-on-one discussion about his new diversity and inclusion initiatives. I'll let you know why he is doing that. And we also talk about why he does not hesitate to admit that black lives do matter. Indeed, we will talk about that. And then later on in the show, Indianapolis, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your feedback. So we are having open lines for the remainder of the show. So be sure to give us a call at 317-239-9696. Once again, that phone number is 317-239-9696. The phone lines do get hot. So if you cannot get through, be sure to send us a tweet at Open Line Show so that we can read your comment on the air. All right. All that more coming up this morning on the Open Line Show. But Ebony first, let's get everybody caught up on what is happening this morning in the news. It may not seem like it, like it, but it is race day in Indianapolis. While fans won't be in the stands for the Indianapolis 500 this year, you may be able to see two flyovers near the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. There will be two flyovers by the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds this year before the start of the race. The 104th Indianapolis 500, presented by Gainbridge, is scheduled to start at 2.30 p.m. As no fans are allowed inside for the race, it will be aired live on TV, no blackout, no delay. Of course, the track is closed due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. As of this morning, more than 3,000 Hoosiers have died from COVID-19 since the pandemic began. In March, the State Department of Health is reporting nine additional deaths and 1,010 new COVID cases right here in Indiana just this weekend. The state says Marion County continues to have the most cases and deaths across the state with 743 deaths and 17,339 confirmed cases. People who are unemployed in Indiana will receive some assistance after the Federal Emergency Management Agency approved the state for a grant under the Lost Wages Assistance Program. FEMA says the grant funding will allow Indiana to provide an additional $300 per week on top of regular unemployment benefits to people who are out of work due to COVID-19. In your forecast for race day, partly cloudy skies on your Sunday will hit a high of 87, but dodge a 20% chance of rain. Right now, it is 67 degrees in Indy. And so, Ebony, um, as I said, I got the chance to uh, go up to the governor's residence and meet with uh, Governor Holcomb. We sat on the couch. We were only supposed to actually talk for about 15 minutes or so, uh, but we ended up talking for... 45 minutes, almost an hour about his diversity and inclusion initiatives that he announced uh, just this week. I'm going to play that interview for you in a moment. 
Um, and then, uh, like I said, this was a 45-minute interview. I'm going to play 15 minutes of it, and then you can go listen to the rest of it uh, later on, on the website. But, Ebony, this diversity and inclusion initiative that was announced next uh, last week um, p- puts a person in his cabinet who's going to go look at all of the different um, diversity and racial issues um at every level of of state agencies, so from the Department of Corrections, which we've talked about a lot on this show, to NDOT, to the Department of Education, to see where are the disparities, to see where is help needed, see where people are getting left behind, see where investment is not happening. Of course, um, all of this is happening about 70 days before Election Day, so his uh, there, there was obviously... Um, a, a timing thing here with this agenda that the governor is doing. Um, and so, yes, uh, folks are saying, well, you had four years to do that. Why now? He addresses mm-hmm. that. Um, and, of course, uh, he responds to what his opponent, Woody Myers, has said about this. But before we get into it, Ebony, when you heard about uh, uh, this initiative, what did you think and what have people been telling you about this outreach that the governor is now doing? Mm-hmm. Well, um I think one of the biggest things that I thought I listened to his address um, earlier this week where he made that announcement about this new addition to his cabinet. Um, I thought that it was very timely. I thought that it was a good move. At the same time, um, something that was very um, just that stood out to me was the fact that the Indiana um, Black Legislative Caucus, which is a group of black lawmakers, they have been trying to push for some of these things for quite a while and um, frankly have not gotten a lot of support in that. So I thought that it was very interesting that this was happening and I hope that that support is something we can see in the future. Um, Another thing that I've seen as far as what people's responses to it is, is that a lot of people are, you know, frankly surprised at the fact that he could be, you know, so vo- so bold and so vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a welcome thing to hear. So you have some people being very receptive to his message as well. Yeah, um, all of that. We, we talked about all of that, and that's clear to the governor. And, and I told him, I said, there was something about you after the George Floyd thing either, and you'll, you'll hear when we talk about this, but something changed in you, and you became less hesitant than other Republican governors, especially to uh, see, to say, what you are seeing and that's step one but now step two okay we've got you've got it out there we'll see what the follow-through is absolutely Uh, we'll we'll talk about all of these things on the other side of this interview but uh now i first want to point out thank the governor for allowing uh well for allowing me into the house but for coming on the show this is something we've been wanting to get for a while to get more uh administration especially republican administration to see the value and talking to the black audience um and in this case they obviously have this was an intentional interview um and i believe only myself and a reporter from the indianapolis recorder were granted access to the governor on this topic you won't see any of this on tv or in any other paper but right here for the first time here is governor holcomb and my one-on-one interview with him uh here on the open line show first of all thank you for taking the time to... Well, thanks to, Thanks for coming by here. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me to your home. Um, you made some big announcements this week with um, diversity and inclusion, and uh, among them is bringing on a cabinet-level equity director. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what that actually is? Sure. It is a person with the authority 
uh, equal to everyone else on the cabinet. That's a prerequisite for uh, this type of position. I think, to our knowledge, there's only one other state in the country that has someone at, at this uh, level with the kind of authority that this individual will have. And by design, it's their job to make sure every agency, large or small, is raising their game and meeting our standards for, in terms of equity, the programs that they administer, um, in terms of inclusion, not just inside that agency, but for the people that they serve. Um, and then that obviously, those two, equity plus inclusion, equals a lot more opportunity for people. And that's what we're all here for is to make sure that what we're doing, the things that are working, we want to do more of it. The things that aren't working, we'll do less of. But we want to make sure it connects with the people that are out there looking to skill up in their lives or, or right a certain situation. What kind of a person are you looking for in that job? And will that person be of a diverse back, black, background being black or brown? Uh, yes. Uh, they will. They will be a uh, honest, credible, humble, hungry individual uh, that seeks to help people, and and I would suspect that would be have some um, uh, expertise and experience in something similar to this post meaning the ability to connect, um, the interest in helping people. Uh, does that uh, examining of agency, does that include the uh, Department of Corrections and prison system? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Passion of mine, um, and I would love to, if, if, if you would ever like, a couple things. One, I would like to have either Rob Carter, the director, um, or uh, Dr. Doss, Kristen Doss, the chief medical officer of DOC, come on sometime Absolutely. and get into the weeds about what's really going on. Or Dr. Bosch, for that matter, at Health, mm -hmm. or Dr. Sullivan at FSSA, or Fred Payne, or, you know. Mm -hmm. but, but they have a, a lot of pride into programs that have been innovative and that are working. So they're wanting to get this word out. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the last mile, I mean, this is, like you gotta get into the facilities to see how this really works. Mm -hmm. And when you see people who have helped us um, with their expertise and their, quite frankly, their, their financial resources, um, put these programs into our prison facilities, it's no wonder why, um, we're now in five facilities, not one, because it's working. And people are, you know, the Last Mile program as just one example, teaching people, um, giving them IT skills, mm -hmm. coding, et cetera, uh, in high demand. And when I'm, I, I mean, I first, this is the first time I ever met in person MC Hammer, but and have <laughs> since a couple times, but mm -hmm. the difference is he's just not lending his name or writing a check. He's going in mm -hmm. and he is connecting with people. Mm -hmm. And when you see that person get those skills inside and then and then carry on their life, they have course corrected their life. Mm -hmm. Like it was time well spent, if I may. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's the example of 
yes, this person is going to go into the Department of Corrections. Yes, this person is going to go into NDOT. And what, when you start to peel back the onion, you know, you say, okay, um, we need to hire more minorities at NDOT. We got an awful lot of white male engineers. We just do. And probably 49 other states have the same issue. Mm -hmm. So how do we address that? Because like, I always I say I feel like a three-year-old sometimes. I'm always asking why, why, why. Mm -hmm. Like, what do we, okay, so how do we solve that? How do we solve that? How do we solve that? And it's, okay, we have to recruit more minorities uh, into um, STEM subjects at a very early age mm -hmm. and then on to college and engineering degrees. And that's how you get more people or judges or you just name it, but you can't just, that's why I talked about, we gotta get, and it was burned into my brain. Mm -hmm. You gotta get at the root causes. You can't just address the symptoms. You gotta deal with the symptoms for mm -hmm. sure. Well, So in every agency, DOC. Well, let me ask you, you know, you just talked about how you're always asking why. Yeah. Um, and this week you said the phrase, mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, whether it be a public figure or a corporation, people, that's a difficult phrase for some people to, to say. I just don't understand why. It, you know, folks will beat around, you know, we, yeah. you know, yeah. they will come up with some other statement, but you said yeah. the phrase. Yeah. Well, let's just be honest. Um, some folks are defensive. Mm -hmm. And I am... I am a big believer in the ideals of this nation. And it is unique in the sense that we have flaws and warts in our history. We have flaws today. But who steps forward to say, let's right those wrongs and here's how. And, and to make those words that were written in our founding documents true, We've had to make change along the way. But for anyone that believes in our founding documents, then you can say Black Lives Matter and mean it full stop. And if you, if you can't believe that, then you don't believe in the founding principles of this nation. Not that we were there at the very outset mm -hmm. in action, but we are now. Like that is the law of the land. It happens to be what's morally right too, mm -hmm. but that's a whole separate conversation. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to have that. Well, and I think I think it's a it seems to be it's a two part thing. That yeah. one, if there's a problem, the first step to addressing that problem is admitting there's a problem. Yep. So you've done that and yep. people are acknowledging, whoa, that yep. didn't he, he did that. Yep. So now the second part is okay, yep. how do we take the words into action? Yep, the follow through. Yes. Um, part of that is you, you've done a lot of listening, it sounds like, over the past couple of months. Yeah. Um, body cameras coming yeah. to yeah. state police. That's been something that people, yeah. protesters, have been asking for You know, through yeah. what's happened here in Indianapolis to George Floyd. How did you come to that? That was something I thought we could do um, sooner rather than later because there's been a lot of discussion internally about cameras, whether dashboard or body, etc. The, the one thing that became uh, crystal clear in my mind throughout all the discussions is this not only helps um, 
in the presentation of evidence after the fact. Mm -hmm. But this, as maybe as important, helps in training. So when you're training and you can review what you did mm -hmm. and you see you did something wrong, mm -hmm. then you can correct that. Now and does that does that count DNR as you know we've had an sure. issue with that this year? Yeah. yeah. Uh, when Absolutely. body cameras would have been helpful, so are they included in that? Uh, we, we talked about state troopers, but we can, we can look into all law enforcement. And by the way, they, you know, that, without getting too into the weeds, mm -hmm. I can, but um, they conducted, that was a little bit, that was interesting in that they conducted an investigation mm -hmm. um, per proper protocol. Mm -hmm. There were some who immediately claimed for them to be suspended, mm -hmm. even though they were in direct communication with a county prosecutor who mm -hmm. was um, conducting ultimately the review. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was a case where the conservation officers did their job by the letter of the law while some came in and said, hey, let's short circuit the process and mm -hmm. put those folks on. Mm -hmm. And that's that reactionary uh, that's not getting all the facts. Mm -hmm. They were they were compiling all the facts, um, and and so I'm again I said early on because I reviewed mm -hmm. their actions and what they were doing and the communication that they were in with the county prosecutor, which again takes the case, um, and they did they did everything by the letter of the law. So in other changes with uh, law enforcement, what are your thoughts on? chokeholds and no-knock warrants that's yeah. already been, that's gone away for IMPD, what yeah. would it look like at the state level? Yeah, uh, and that, there's a long list of items that will be reviewed mm -hmm. by a third party. We wanted to have a third party, someone come in with the expertise, kind of like we did with the, um, when the stage collapsed out yeah. at the state fair years ago, mm -hmm. we brought in someone and said, let's just really scratch, get at this. Mm -hmm. Someone from not here uh, with the expertise that has done this before that, that again, not only, again, I don't want to sound defensive about this. They're going to be able to validate all the um, positive programs and, and, and good things about the way we train. Mm -hmm. And then I hope they'll be able to um, give us some recommendations about how to modernize. Mm -hmm. That's just good. Mm -hmm. I mean, every year I do that with agencies. Um, in this area of expertise, we're going to look at all use of force policies. All of them. Oh, well, I would ask them to look at all of mm -hmm. them. And the superintendent of state police, Doug Carter, will ask them to look at all of them. So this won't be you saying this is a change. This is someone else saying, here's a look, here's what Here, we think. Here's recommendations that we think you should do. Here's what's happened around the country. Here's some successful programs including all use of force policies, mm -hmm. not just one-offs. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then they'll make those recommendations. And then, and you know, and I, I kind of turned over some of my cards and I said, and I'd like to work with the legislature to put a, some civilian representation on mm -hmm. ILEA. Mm -hmm. So there'll be some things that also need to be discussed. Sentencing reform, mm -hmm. exorbitant fees. I mentioned a couple of those, but mm -hmm. there are others that I didn't mention just for brevity's mm -hmm. sake. Um, that the judiciary is also very interested about. I sat right here with mm -hmm. the um, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, and, mm -hmm. and she shared about some things that she wanted to look at come January 2 with the legislative branch. Now, a moment ago, you mentioned sentencing reform. Could yeah. that include a discussion, at least, on marijuana, which seems to yeah. disproportionately put black people in jail? The answer is yes. 
Um, and the and I'm looking forward to the answer is yes, first and foremost, because it can include A to Z. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there are folks in the judiciary that are very, not just aware, but interested in that as well. Mm -hmm. And so I would not only expect that, mm -hmm. but I would more than um, say it could, I would say I would expect that to be part of the, conver the, the larger conversation to be included. Um. Your opponent, Mr. Woody Myers, uh, has said, hey, the governor has had four years to do this. Why is he doing it now? He, in fact, he called uh, this disingenuous, says he'll go a step further uh, on a number of things that you've talked about, including ban chokeholds and decriminalize marijuana. But I guess the question to you is, why now? Well, we're not starting now. If, if anyone would suggest that we're starting now, they've missed uh, three and a half years of progress. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would recommend folks talk to the, the very people, the very lives and livelihoods represented by um, the transformations that have occurred mm -hmm. uh, because people were st stepping up and taking part in some of our programs that are changing lives for the better. Um, but there's nothing, we didn't start anything now. I've heard a lot of people say that the day after we had the downtown uh, protest that turned into riots early June, late May, yeah. that when you came on TV that Monday, mm. there was something different about you. Mm. Um, or if it wasn't something different about you, we saw something different in yeah. you, yeah. a frustration or an awareness Yep. So what was going on? Yeah. Was there something that happened in Indianapolis or just the overall nation that we saw you feel that, okay, we have to do something? Yeah, I mean, it, it became a little more personal just because I was seeing it. Um, I was seeing it all over the nation. Mm -hmm. and And I don't want anyone to live in fear mm -hmm. and you know dealing with this virus COVID on one hand and all the uncertainty and anxiety that that uh, creates coupled with a fear of your own personal safety mm -hmm. coupled with uh, coupled with this hope that something can be different about now. Um, and then, you know, I reached out to some people close to me that I've been very uh, personally close to for my whole life. Mm -hmm. I've had a much different experience. I've had a very diverse group of friends in my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Never before were these concerns shared or unloaded, and we went through life together. Like mm -hmm. we went through, mm -hmm. we shared what was on our hearts and minds with one another. But this was never a topic that was discussed. Mm -hmm. And when I started to learn about how prevalent it was, mm -hmm. not one-offs, mm -hmm. but how prevalent, and um, then I thought, okay, you know, 
it's we can be of help here. And this this may not have seemed to have fit within economic development or workforce development or or uh, wellness, but it does. Mm -hmm. Like it is it is directly or indirectly related to all three of those. Mm -hmm. We have the foundation of what you envision and what you want to do. Yeah. And so, as you said, it's not going to be solved today, but we are looking into it. Um, with, with this audience that is now uh, all ears to this topic, can we get you to come back, or I come back and meet you at the end of the year, and we do we see where we I like are? It. I like it. And then next year, let's try to meet like uh, quarterly, and just it. see where we are on this topic. I would be, uh, that would be helpful to your followers, and I mean listeners mm -hmm. and, and um, folks who view you on social media and et cetera, and I appreciate that. And I would just see your hand and raise you and take me up on my offer beyond me, but to have some of these leaders, um, including the new CEIOO, on as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, to share what I say the good news and to um, along the way so it's not just how they're doing mm -hmm. you know uh, or, or quarterly but these folks take great pride in what they do and they could be doing things they could be doing a lot of other things but they're interested in serving we'll put it on the calendar for next for the next coming months and we'll get the IDOC folks on hope maybe in the next in the next 30 days love to we got a lot of calls about that. We'll, we'll make it happen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. My conversation one-on-one -on -one with Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb. Ebony, the phones are already starting to ring. Uh, we're going to sure. take a break, and in, 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 in I want to go to a break in less than a minute. But your initial uh, thoughts hearing that. You know, um, I'm going to try to wrap this up as quick as I can because I have a lot of initial thoughts. One, And you'll um, have more time on the other side of the break. Yeah. One, I think it would be really, really excellent if in the future um, we could have the governor come on live. The reason why I say that is because in this way with the recording, it's almost like him coming to the black community um, on his terms. And I feel like having that live one on one interaction um, would give people an opportunity to speak directly to him and hear directly from him. Um, about a lot of the things that are going on. I have more thoughts. I know we got to get to the break um, as far as ways that he could have engaged um, the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus and what it is that he's put together. But we'll talk more. All right, more of the Open Line Show coming up on the other side of the break. Call us your thoughts and reactions to the governor, what he is saying candidly and now for the first time and, and open. Are you buying it? He's saying it. Now we have to watch the follow through. And he's committed to coming back to this show a number of times as we do a progress report to make sure that there is some progress. Call me, 317-239-9696, 317-239-9696. More of The Open Line Show and your reactions on the other side of this break. This is The Open Line Show. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, your views, your voice. We are your eye on the community. It's Open Lines on Hot 96.3. 
What's up, good people? Community Queen Ebony Chappelle checking in here, and I hope that you are enjoying the show so far. If you've missed any episodes of Open Lines and you want to catch up on what we talk about week after week, go on to our website. You can also listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow us on social media as well. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Open Lines Show. For this week's Community Spotlight, we are checking in with Indiana Humanities. Following the murder of George Floyd and weeks of protest, Indiana Humanities committed to using their humanities work to shed light, provide comfort, and aid discourse about racial injustice. In this spirit, they have introduced a new research fellowship of $2,500 to support new humanities research on anti-Black racial injustice and structural racism in Indiana and how Black Hoosiers have responded. Here to talk about the Wilma Gibbs Moore Fellowship is Leah Namias, the Director of Programs and Community Engagement for Indiana Humanities, a statewide organization that encourages Hoosiers to think, read, and talk. Indiana Humanities is pleased to offer a new research grant named in honor of historian and archivist Wilma Gibbs Moore. Wilma Gibbs Moore Fellowships support new humanities research on anti-Black racial injustice and structural racism in Indiana and how Black Hoosiers have responded. This new fellowship was created following the murder of George Floyd as part of Indiana Humanities' commitment to use the humanities, history, cultural studies, literature, and philosophy to shed light and aid discourse about racial injustice in Indiana. Up to six fellowships of $2,500 each will be awarded. To read the full call for applications and learn more about eligibility and how to apply, visit indianahumanities.org. Applications are due September 28th. Big shout out to Indiana Humanities and the work that they are doing in the community. Now let's get back to those open lines. Keeping you connected to what's happening in our city. It's Open Lines on High 96.3 and good morning to you, Indianapolis. I am Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle, here in the Radio One studios. Good morning, Ebony. Good morning, Ebony Chappelle, Community Queen, checking in here. We've had a good first half of the show hearing from uh, Governor Eric Holcomb in Cameron's exclusive interview. Lots of discussion to come up with that. Uh, phone lines are lighting up. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. Yeah. And you know what? Before we go to the callers, um, when we wrapped up before we went to break, we were discussing, you know, thoughts and everything um, coming out of that interview. Um, I just wanted to circle back on a couple of things. I know that earlier this week when he gave his, you know, public address about these new um, diversity and inclusion initiatives and the hiring of that cabinet member, um, some of the things that I really, really would like to hear more on and hear him respond to maybe in the future um, that I had thoughts on, he, he mentioned about the protesters, you know, in that speech. 
But at the same time, I feel like that was a great opportunity to hold some of the Republican lawmakers accountable for some of their publicly expressed bigotry, Um, more specifically, Representative Jim Lucas, um, who got called out for putting a racist meme on Facebook. I think if you are going to make statements about diversity and inclusion and say Black Lives Matter, all of that is wonderful. I think that there are some actionable things that need to go alongside it as well. Um, In addition, the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus, I know that he mentioned about a lot of the work that's being done. This is a great time to engage these black lawmakers in a way that they haven't been engaged before um, specifically He talked about um, doing something with Dr. Box with infant and uh, maternal mortality. That is something that affects the black community disproportionately. And Representative Vanessa Summers started a caucus earlier this year. So, again, another perfect opportunity um, for the governor. I wish that he would have said something about that. Um, This would have been a perfect opportunity for him to engage them. Um, I know that they have been very cautiously receptive to his messaging about diversity because it's not something that they've seen the outward representation of when it comes to how things are done at the statehouse level. Um, We're not going to be able to see the changes as far as the black community is concerned. We're not going to be able to see those real actionable things if that level of collaboration doesn't happen. Um, They just released their 2021 um, things that they are focusing on, their priorities, the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus. So I think if the governor is going to be really about this diversity life, he has to walk the talk. And that is engaging with these lawmakers and making sure that things are happening on a level to um, positively impact the black community. So lots of thoughts. The timing, you know, is kind of interesting as well. So. Very interested to see what people have to say on that. That conversation that I had with the governor was uh, 45 minutes long, so you only heard a portion of it, and he talks further uh, in that conversation about um, the protests that happened when we were outside of um, uh, his home there at 47th and Meridian. Um, And he also talked um, about the part that you're talking about, Ebony, which is he's been listening. Uh, He didn't come up with these ideas on his own uh, as he talks about uh, he's listened to a number of different groups and the IBLC uh, and and different folks on how to come up with these um, ideas. So right now, this is him saying, I'm listening. And I think it's clear that he is listening uh, because he talked about some of the things that he has just learned uh, for whatever reason, not knowing them before, but he has learned them because he has been listening to the same people that you were just talking about now that we've admitted that. Okay. You're listening and you hear it. We have to watch the follow through. And is he continuing to have these conversations? Cause all the people that you talked about, he has been talking to, but are you following through with those things? It sounds like everything is on the table to be considered everything from uh, the marijuana laws, which he talked a little bit more about in the uh, extended version where You have uh, folks in the judicial uh, part of the state who are, as well as legislative, who are very, very interested in changing Indiana's laws because we know that disproportionately affects uh, black Hoosiers. Everything is on the table. If you take away nothing from this is that he is listening and now everything is on the table down to addressing where the food deserts are, where resources need to be. Everything is on the table now from here. 
And as you've heard, the governor is committed to coming back um, on this show a number of times in whatever capacity. Obviously, we did it this time uh, from his home due to uh, COVID-19. And as you could probably tell, we're muffled a little bit because we're wearing masks still in his house. Um, And so there will be more opportunities. He's already committed to hold me accountable to this and to continue to have these discussions. And and as you heard, we'll, we'll even we've been trying to get folks from the IDOC on. We've talked about things in the in the prisons and coronavirus before. And we were never, never able to get that access. Now, now we have uh, that access. So more on that to come. Let's go to the phone lines. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. Caller on line one. Good morning. You're live on the open line show. Good. How are you? We can't hear the caller. Brief comments. Uh, one thing I do want to say uh, right away is that last week a lot of young folks called in, and I hope a lot of young folks continue to call into the show. We need you guys to be active with us. Uh, you guys gave some timelines and different things like that. Uh, the government is still dictating uh, to us uh, when this is going to happen and when that's going to happen. Uh, we, if you notice, if you go out in the city and you see all the streets and the constructions and different things, they have to eliminate this good old boy uh, 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 communication or contracts that they have uh, because they're not sharing none of the work. Uh, when it comes to the criminal justice system, he, uh, he, the governor spoke about some documents, okay, about the founding fathers. Well, these documents was done under uh, duress. And these documents are, are documents that can be destroyed and rewritten so that we can have equal to, to whatever it is that we need to, to do as far as us being successful. Uh, and our, our success is not based on uh, uh, our degrees and different things like that because they say something about experts. I don't know what an expert actually is or what y'all consider an expert. Uh, the person with this degree is not necessarily an expert because they have no experience in what they're dealing with. They need to have people on there that actually has experiences in some of these situations, like in jail, prison, uh, the court system, uh, these types of things. Uh, we can fix a lot of things if we eliminated a lot of things. And you know what, I mean, Paul, th- when he talked what? about experts, he had to word that answer carefully because um, what I asked him was, this person who's going to be in this position, will they be um, of a diverse back back? Well, I couldn't say it then. I can't say it now. Background being black or brown. And I found his answer interesting because he can't write, can't outright say, well, it's going to be a black person. Um, right, right. But and what, what, but what he was point. saying was that uh, the expertise is someone who lives these things. Not necessarily okay. that it's a degree, but he's looking for someone with the expertise. And I'm not paraphrasing. This is literally what he said. Go back and listen. But the, right, ex- right. the expertise is someone who has lived these things, so comes from this background, not necessarily something that uh, they learned in college or in school. So where do I sign up for this job? That's a good question, Paul. Call his office. Where, where do I... Where do I go to sign up for this job? Yeah. Because there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things and a lot of ideas that I don't, not only that I have, 
but from our community as a whole. We we are highly intelligent people, and while we're thinking that we're being feared for this thing or that thing, we're actually being feared for our intelligence. We have intelligence, and our intelligence are being stifled, and we are not having an opportunity to actually get in and, and get in this game because, again, like I said, this is going to change. The dynamic is going to change, and the only way that's going to change is that we get people in there that are straight shooters and that are not a part of the program and want to see the program change. And all these, we need to do the same thing they're doing. The protests and all that stuff don't mean nothing. The ink pen, the ink pen is the most powerful weapon. We need to write demands and have deadline dates on our demands. And Paul, I just want to jump in here. Yeah, because you're bringing up some really excellent points. And I think this is something that we have to be very critical of when it comes to any of this diversity talk, because right now it's the hot topic. Everybody is discussing it. If you're not, it's like you're not in vogue right now, whether or not you really believe those things. So I think it's important that we pay attention to who it is that they're choosing and that it is people with lived experience and people that aren't, you know, like you said, in the club that can really speak truth to power and come in and do that and represent the community. So I hope you do apply and I hope lots of people apply so that they have a great talent pool to pull from. But thank you for your call. Hey, can you can y'all can you guys bring the governor back on and ask him uh, specifically where do people go at to apply for jobs such as this? I will certainly uh, get that answer for you, and the governor will be back. Thank you, sir. Y'all have a great day. All right, you too. Let's keep going on the phone uh, lines. Bye-bye. Caller on line two. Good morning. You're live on the Open Line Show. It's uh, Larry Vaughn. What's you up, know, Chief? The governor is such a uh, person that doesn't tell the truth. Well, if he wanted to really do something. When he campaigned first, I said that uh, him and John Gray, they should pardon all these people who have arrest records, all these people who have low-level felonies and misdemeanors who have been clean for five years, right? If he would pardon them, they would be able to get jobs, and that would be a boost to the economy here in this state, but they want to keep them on paper. Ask him that, Cameron. He's going to uh, he's gonna run out of the studio on you, so... Uh, Governor Hogan has done so many things to destroy this state, not to mention property tax caps, which we're going through right now. This is why we can't open our schools and they have to remain virtual. They've done property tax caps, so corporations don't have to pay any taxes whatsoever. This is 2020, the so-called circuit breaker. All those corporations that come and move into this state with incentive packages and tax abatements and so forth, they don't have to pay anything right now to come and exploit our population. And Governor Hogan, and it was him and Mitch Daniels that engineered this whole thing. I have a list of the legislatures because I've been over there for the last 30 years. The Republicans have been in complete control for 20 years, and they have destroyed this state with their public, uh, with their public policies of right to work, uh, de facto judges, the uh, other things that they have done are really crimes against humanity. I wonder what he's going to do when people start getting foreclosed on and get start getting uh, moved, have they having their uh, houses uh, confiscated for property tax caps. What happened? The same thing in uh, 1934. I have it right here where the governor had to call an emergency because so many people were losing all their losing their property. So, Larry, are you? So, Larry, are you applying for the job? I'm not applying for anything because what they want is somebody to come in there and do their work and gather information on us 
and then use it in a derogatory manner. That's what it is. They won't have an outside person who can look into that situation and do some corrections like the body cameras, right, Cameron? Mm -hmm. Now, they got those. Now, they could take $10 million. And how many uh, things could, people, could the black people set up that would make money, like farmland or some kind of manufacturing industry or something? Uh, and another thing, too, the, uh, the doggone uh, cameras here in town. What good are they doing? Because if you, don't, if you see something you don't like, you're not going to agree with it. So all the young people out there, listen, we have been sold down the river by our leadership, and it's getting ready to really hit the fan right now. So there's going to be some bad stuff happening, Cameron, because I'm seeing more and more people out here living in their cars because of this foolishness that we've got going on trying to save our lives. I mean, when somebody tells you they're going to save your life, right, they're saying that they're God. Nobody can save your life, and they know this, but they're just trying to destroy our economy and have it so that we lose our homes, we lose our businesses, and then what is the answer going to be? The answer is going to be we have people in charge that have misled us and have been gotten to. You go over to the state house any time when they're in session, the parking lot's full of lobbyists getting their way because they're lining the pockets of these officials. Right. Even the black caucus is taking money, too. So uh, right. we just got to look at it and do what's realistic, Cameron. We All need right. to stop talking about we're going to help. We can't help. All right, Larry. Governor is listening, so. Uh, maybe he's taking notes on what you're saying. Thank you very much for the call. 317-239-9696. 317-239-9696. That is the number to get on the air. What do you think? What does the state of Indiana and the governor need to do? Where should their attention be? From that interview, what I took away was that everything is on the table. Even if you don't have to name off you know, a list, it sounds like everything is is up for consideration to be reviewed and be changed. Uh, not saying which ones those are going to be, but I think, as the governor said, I'm listening. Um, and so from there, once I know about it, we can put some attention into it. Now, we can talk all day about how do certain people not know about certain things when they go on every day. All right, totally different discussion and probably a fair discussion. But for this one, uh, the governor is saying, all right, I'm all ears. Um, what do we need to do? And so he's listening. His folks are probably listening right now. Call us and tell us, uh, tell him um, where attention needs to be. We're talking everything from. I even asked him uh, in another part of the conversation. I said, could you even look at um, something for people outside of uh, the state house who don't work for the state? Something for, um, you know, discrimination against, uh, you know, uh, black people's hair who can't wear their hair naturally at work without being reprimanded and told it's unprofessional in California. There was a law to protect you. They can't tell yeah, you the crown law. Yes. And mm -hmm. so I asked, you know, is that something that we could have in Indiana? And every, as again, everything is mm -hmm. on the table to be yeah. discussed. I wanted to um, make a comment on something that Larry mentioned um, about being down at the state house. I've spent a lot of time down there. And one of the things that um, we try to tell people is that the public, you are welcome to come down to the state house. It is the people's house. So when legislative session is going on, it is very, very important that just as the lobbyists are there, just as other interest groups are there in mass to talk to their lawmakers and make sure that things are being done 
for the betterment of their community, the black community, we absolutely have to take advantage and do the same thing. Because the thing is, no matter what type of person they put in this cabinet, no matter what the governor says, at the end of the day, we need everybody in collaboration with each other in order for our community to see the benefits and the results that we need to see. So he brought up an excellent point about that. Let's go back to the phone lines. 317-239-9696. Caller on line one. Good morning. You're live on the air. Good morning. Good morning. Who's this? My name is Liz, and I have a a youth organization on the far east side of Indianapolis. And I'm telling you, we're losing our children, our young adults, to the streets. And the reason is because we have all these leaders and all these other people input on the outside. But nobody's inside. Nobody's on the ground. Nobody actually cares about what happens to them. They'll get grants. And they'll ask for funding for different projects, but it doesn't reach the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. We need to get our kids and our young adults engaged, make them feel like they are a part of society. Mm -hmm. We've left them out. We're making decisions for them without including them. And it's to no avail. We're just uh, going down. We're we're not progressing. We're regressing. And it's because we don't engage with them. We don't find out what their ideals are, what they do, what they like, you know, what would get them engaged or involved, what would keep them from doing things that would harm themselves or others. We're missing an opportunity to get our community back online. And if we don't take advantage of it, I have a, a youth program. Okay, where hold on, hold on, hold on. Tell me the name of the youth program. Give me your phone number. I want to call you later. We'll talk. It's Young Gardeners. And what we do is we give them, uh, I give them a kit. Mm-hmm. And it starts them out gardening. They take care of their garden like it's a baby or their, their little pet animal. They really are engaged and they really love it. What's your but number? We, What's your phone number so we can talk? 317-489-7463. Yep. And I also have a community garden that I give the vegetables away to. I don't mm-hmm. sell anything. I wow. give it away to the community. That is awesome. And you say you're on what side of town again? I'm on the far east side. Far east but my side. garden, yeah. I got a, um, a plot from the mayor. It's on mm-hmm. the west side. Okay. So I take those vegetables and I bring mm-hmm. them to the people who need them. Yeah. Have All right. you engaged hey. with your... Um, with your local lawmakers at all, because I know that food access is a big, big focus for I've them. I've tried. Okay. I've tried. I've tried. It hurts because I, I love my community and I love the kids in my community. And I see this happening. It's like a train wreck. Tell me your name one more time. My name is Liz Durden, D-U-R-D-E-N. Liz, thank you for your call. We're going to talk more. I got your phone number. I'll talk to you uh, sometime this week. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you so much. All Mm -hmm. right. Let's keep going on the phone lines, 317-239-9696. Caller on line two. Good morning. You're live on the Open Line Show. Yes, good morning. This is Julie calling. Hey, what's up? I got a couple things that I just want to throw out there. Okay, the look, hey, look, and, hey, look. And it's, it's 854, and we're almost done. So get, give me what you can give me in 30 seconds. The governor and the, and, the, and the state has to fund job opportunities throughout the state and, and, and fund it and have opportunities for people to get work. The second thing is opportunities for the homeless and the people being released for, from incarceration. Provide them with opportunity for job training 
and, and job availability, and that get the economic system booming again. And it's all about jobs. People need to get work. If people don't have work, then that causes all other problems in the community. So it has to be funded from the state level, job opportunities. All right, man, I appreciate your call. Call me next week. We'll talk some more. Yeah. All right, caller on line three. Good morning. You are live on the Open Line Show. Who's this? Hello? Hello? Hello, you're live on the air. Can you turn your radio down for me? you got 30 seconds. You're going to be our last caller. Are you talking to me? Yes, I am. Well, I'm calling because uh, I'm very concerned about um, the um, racism mm-hmm. in the court system. Mm-hmm. Does that have anything to do with this program here? Everything is on the table to look at everything. You know, I, I asked him about um, things that black people get locked up for at disproportionate yes. rates. And all yes. of that is being looked at. And he says he has folks from the judicial. So there are Indiana judges in the Supreme Court and the local courts as well as uh, legislators in the legislative side who are very interested in looking at changing the laws uh, so that we stop getting locked up uh, for things that, if you just go a couple miles across the border, are legal for. Everything's on the table. My son got jumped by a young lady. He went there to a house to to pick up his clothes. Mm -hmm. A younger Caucasian female jumped him as he walked in. He pulled her over his back and body slammed her. Um, she, the police came. She did nothing. Then nothing happened. Then before you know it, next thing he knows is um, he has to go to court. And in court, she states that he broke her jaw. And he said, Mom, that's the biggest lie. She never said anything about it. But the girl that he was dating, she was also, well, I can't say dating. He was living with her. She was uh, a Caucasian also. He told her some things that happened, and she went. She and the other Caucasian female got together and plotted what they was going to do. In court, um, the, this one girl. Well, okay, hey, she, what was your name? Eleanor. Eleanor, hey, look, we are out of time. I am sorry to hear what is going on with your son, and um, hopefully uh, there is a the good outcome. But we are out of time. Call us back, and we can talk some more about this because, as you heard the governor say earlier, we're going to have continued conversations about what is happening in the jails and the prison systems. Thank you so much. I sure am because my son is locked up falsely. He's got four years because right. they lied. All right. We'll talk some more. All right. Thank you so much. All right. As you can see, there is plenty to talk about and things that need to be addressed. Uh, You could uh, say something and it's going to spark conversation because there are so many things that simply need attention. Uh, Ebony, as you heard, the governor says he will be back. And in when we are not talking with the governor, we'll be having access to different people um, who are in charge of these individual units. You've done a lot over the past couple of months uh, with. Uh, how things are going inside the Department of Corrections and the jails. Mm -hmm. And it's not always easy to even get those answers. I think now uh, the governor, uh, you now have his ear um, and he knows um, that this is something that you've been looking into. So you'll get a chance to talk further about that. So I'm sure you have lots of questions today and there's going to be more. Yeah, my biggest thing is, you know, me having his ear is one thing, but the community having his ear is a whole other so i would like to challenge some of these people to come on and do the live thing so that the people can talk to him one-on-one but you know 
soon to come. Uh, it is soon to come. And as I said, the governor is not here because of COVID. Uh, and so, but he will be back and we will have folks in here. Uh, or even more, on the phone. More you know, to like come. More to come. Yeah. It's coming. The governor didn't say he would not come live. This is the first time that the governor has come on this show. He'll be back. We'll be back, too, with more of the Open Line show uh, next Sunday, live at 8. I'm Indy's newsman, Cameron Riddle. Peace, y'all. Have a great Sunday and a positive week. Ebony Chappelle.